and that the scriptures talk about. Jesus spoke three simple words when he called his disciples. He just said, come, follow me. And that's truly the direction that we take with each of us when we talk about going. It is as simple as simply following Jesus, where he leads you and he, where he leads you with others. Philip wanted to express that, so he went out and he talked to Nathaniel, and Nathaniel was skeptical about this whole thing, and Philip simply said, come and see. And really isn't that what going and sharing is with someone else? We're, we're following Jesus, and then we say to someone else, come and see. Just see for yourself what that might lead to in your life. The stories that God puts in our lives, in our relationship with him, don't belong to us. They belong to him. And so we are simply stewards of what God has entrusted to our lives to share with someone else. I've heard sometimes people talk in glowing terms about what God did, but it came across more of, what that person did. And you could almost tell the discernment of the difference between the story of what God has done versus the story of someone telling it about being about themselves. In the purpose-driven life, we know that Rick Warren just simply said this. He said, four words, it's not about you. And he moved forward with that message in mind. So this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about our story not our story it's the story that God has put in our lives as an encouragement to you hopefully to follow wherever he leads not knowing where it will go because I feel like in so many ways when we say yes to the Lord we don't know where it's going to go and we don't know what is just around the bend because he said we walk by faith and not by sight and it's an exciting journey scary unpredictable, stretches us beyond our capabilities, leads to things that might cause us, cost us, might, might create some, some issues and conflicts within ourselves. And I say all this today to remind you that, you know what? When God reached out to me and I said yes to Jesus and embraced him for salvation and I was willing to follow him, I was, I was a broken, lost person who without Christ was, was really nothing. And you know what? I'm still that way almost every day. Christ has redeemed me. He has transformed me. He has changed me. But it's still an imperfect walk for my life. It partly led, one thing or led in our story led, led to, to Linda. And uh, all that we have done and, and, and combined up to do together. The African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, Go together. And I believe that that's true of our interactions with God. But how did it start for me, the calling that God put in my life? It started with him focusing on my hands. And God said simply to me, let these hands that represent your life serve me. Simple as that. Hands. You have a pair of hands. God would say the same thing to you in going. Your hands belong to him. 
to serve others and to be a blessing to other people. And that's what it started with. And then that led us to Crested Butte, where we started the Obi Joyful Church. But it wasn't just Lynn and I as the founding people of the church. We found out when we got there that people had been praying for 25 years for a church to be established in Crested Butte. And we found other people that we could partner with who could share that story with us. We went together not knowing what we would find there, but when we got there, we found others who God had spoken to and we combined up with. And there's a strong church in Crested Butte. It'll be joyful now. And last year in January, Scott Wynn, the current pastor, since we're all getting older, he wanted to get the principal partners of the start of OB Joyful Church together and do a video. And it's a 15-minute video, but we have some excerpts of us telling our stories around that table with each other. And you'll hear in these stories how God works in ways that we can't even imagine. So, Jason, thank you for these excerpts. We all started to know that there needed to be a church in Crested Butte. Uh, we didn't know how that was going to happen. And I went to a conference in uh, Kansas City uh, on church planning. And I came back convinced, yes, we have to start a church in Crested Butte. And then Cliff and Rick came one day and said, hey, we've been meeting with Steve Morehouse, and this is God's man for the hour. And I just, it was hard because they, I leaned on you guys so much. It was like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, but you could see how God had been working to establish in answer to Alma Olson's prayers, other prayers, how he was working. We were praying, and because uh, we felt like, Lord, we really need a pastor here in, in Crested Butte. God began to stir our hearts for Crested Butte, and uh, they, the Southern Baptist Convention, the whole mission board we were with was in Atlanta, and so they were doing an apprentice program for new church starters, so I went to that uh, as an invitation, and when I was there, I saw an application for Crested Butte from the Trinity Baptist Church pastor in Gunnison, Colorado. And I looked at the guy in Atlanta, Georgia, and I said, this is where God is calling us to go. And he said, well, nobody lives there. <laughs> and, and so when we first looked at Crested Butte, it was a very cloudy, rainy, gloomy, dreary day pulling onto the dirt streets of Crested Butte. And, and we looked at each other and went, wow, it's a good thing God called us clearly ahead of time because I'm not sure if we would have done this. Well, we were across the street at the post office, or from the post office, and everybody was coming. It was about noon, and they were all coming to get their mail and talking, and we looked at each other, and Steve says, how are we ever going to get these people to church? And because it was like... It was very hippie-oriented at that time. I remember when the siren so. would go off, everybody would howl. I mean, all of yeah. them would howl. <laughs> yeah, so there were more dogs than people yeah. at that time. Yeah. And, and we ended up coming, or going to come, and then a guy down at Trinity said, well, somebody's got to go up there and reach those hippies up in Crested Butte. <laughs> and he didn't, I don't know why he was blind, but my hair was long, I had a mustache, <laughs> I had a San Francisco t-shirt on. Um, but immediately we began to meet these other people, almost immediately when we hit town. 
and found out that there was a nucleus of people small right. and be a part of. And the reason for starting a church for us is that a church becomes a, a, a lasting lighthouse for a community that is vibrant and alive. And whether we were here a year, 10 years, whatever time we were going to be here, if we could establish a church in this community that loved Jesus and followed Christ and uh, reached people, then we knew we could have a real foothold in this place that could go on. And So going is just such a seed in a person's life, just the smallest of seeds. And as Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will see a great tree blossom from that event. We'd never know what our smallest responses to the Holy Spirit's prompting in our lives can lead to. It can lead to things that we are undreamed of. We, we ended up leaving Crested Butte, going to Taiwan. We spent 10 years over there in ministry in Taiwan and... Uh, and then God was so gracious because he allowed us to come back here and to serve community church. It was, it was beyond our wildest dreams that that could be an opportunity for us to be able to come here and, and be a part of this place. And so we, we started some mission trips here. We, we took a group to Taiwan. Uh, and uh, uh, several of them were our young people here that have grown up now in our church and... and um, you can't see the faces there so much right now, but 17 of us went over there then and served in that way. And then we started a partnership in Dominican Republic, and you've seen some things about Junior Rodimaeus being here and being a part of our congregation. It just, it just adds and adds and adds to who we are and what we have here. When Katrina hit down uh, on the Gulf Coast, we had multiple trips down there with Samaritan's Purse to help rebuild uh, people down in, in Biloxi, Mississippi. And, and then 9-11 uh, came and just, ex just, just wrecked all of our lives and our nation. And so here, here people would come up and they, we've got to go. What can we do? We need to help them. They need us. They need us to help. So we went, ground zero at, at uh, St. Paul's Cathedral, spent 36 hours serving people there in, at St. Paul's at the, at, the, at the center of ground zero. And these partnerships began to grow and improve and, and expand, and, and we ended up uh, adding another mission field, uh, Sierra Leone in West Africa. Uh, all this connected with community church. Totalina, we were down in the Navajo uh, place doing some, some ministry and work. And, and uh, it began to just saw how God could just take people and stir their hearts and move them somewhere. Locally, I felt like that there was a need for a, a food pantry. I mentioned it in a gathering that we had at a leadership retreat. Carl and Ruthie Long picked it up. They were retired. They, they could have breezed through the rest of their lives and coasted along. And instead, they... Uh, they began to develop a tremendous uh, Gunnison Valley food pantry that continues to this day. And people have all contributed to that. Nobody does anything like this alone. In Sierra Leone and West Africa, taking trip there with our group, we met more people and 
And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, we've got uh, uh, two, two little children named Steve and Linda over there from a pastor that lives over there. And uh, so we've kind of got these, our African grandchildren over there that unbeknownst to us and, and, and a son and, and daughter, Daniel and Juliet Conte. And, and, but, you know, you, as you go through life, this, you, you experience, this is, this is Linda. Bless her heart, she got malaria. These are the effects of malaria on a child in Africa. And so once you begin to gather up people in your life, your life is never really your own anymore. You don't hold it tightly. You keep, ever since that call from the Lord with those hands, it was always, they were always in open, open hands. And like I said, there's been times where I've been way selfish with myself. But then there's been other times where I've really just felt like, okay, God, I, I don't know how or who or where or when, but here we go. And inevitably, there would be people right there alongside with that. But I wouldn't know that at the time until you stepped out in, in, in faith. It's just like uh, we were talking about going across the, the uh, Jordan River. And, and they've got a school there now that they've got and a very temporary shelter and a place where people serve. And um, Rick Borkovec was in that video. Rick and his wife Colleen have been here. And now they're uh, headed off to be in India. Their, their first interest was to be in Pakistan. This, they arrived there yesterday. This is out their front door just yesterday morning. Um, they wanted to go to Pakistan, so they got a chance to do that. And, the, and, and they lost their visa opportunities, but the, their, in their desire to go to Pakistan... They were in Afghanistan to serve a nonprofit there. They then were now sent to India. So all of their interest in going to Pakistan has led them now to Afghanistan and now New Delhi, India. And who's to say what's in God's plan? They still want to get back to Pakistan. But I told them, look where your desire to go to Pakistan has led you. You never know where God is going to, to lead when he takes charge of your life. And uh, so that's, now we've got a new mission, Lynn and I. This is our new mission. We've got grandkids. This is our little granddaughter, Cadence. She lived, they live in Omaha, Nebraska. And so this summer in August, they were taught, they talked to us previously about going there and being with them. And after all this time of not being next to family, our next adventure is to learn how to, to be with family. And so I took their dog out for a walk, and four doors, four doors up from their house was a house for sale. And so long story short, we bought it. And uh, it's, it's rented out now. We rented it, and this time next year, we'll be in Omaha, Nebraska, with our hall sold and here and, and moving, moving on to the next adventure in life. And I'm going to start a blog, and it's going to be called Four Doors Down, because that's about how far we are. So I don't know how that's going to work out necessarily, it's going to be a new adventure for all of us. But what about in your neighborhood? We live in a great neighborhood. That's another thing we kind of, kind of hate to lose. And at a potluck one time, we had taken a serving spoon. And um, probably a year later, we got a card and a spoon from our neighbor. Uh, and uh, it's uh, Gail and Jerry Burgess. And, and Gail wrote this, and she said... <clears throat> A spoon of yours was left at our house. With the best of intentions, I washed and left it out as constant reminder to return it. 
But life has a way of slipping away, and then there it was at our dinner table one evening. I decided to use it again and again and again, and here is why. Every time I use your spoon, I think of you both and send a blessing your way. It brings a smile recalling special friends and times together. I would not take it personal if you would like your own spoon back. But please keep this spoon and think about the Burgesses when you use it. Beautiful, right? I was thinking we should put spoons up here and and have people's names on them and put them in your serving drawers. And, and that's one way, that's the, one of the simplest ways that we can care for each other, think about each other, pray for one another, serve each other. I just, I think that's so symbolic of what it means to go with clarity and purpose in our lives. God's got a story and he's still telling it. And he wants you to be a part of it. And there's times when people have said, well, I want to be a part of that. Sign me up. And my thought about that is, you signed up already. You're already, you're already on the list. You're already a part of this great endeavor of this commission of God, his calling, his commission, your commitment to serve in that capacity and be the one, ultimately, who is blessed the most. Prayer, partnership, perseverance. Missions is messy. It's very messy. And yet, we're called into that journey. And it's never to really great places necessarily. It's to where there's need, where there's loss, where there's opportunity. But it will cost us. It's our willingness to just step up and embrace it and be a part of it. It's like the story of the Good Samaritan. That's another going story. The book of Acts is all about stories, all the stories of God, the acts of the Holy Spirit in the church. Jesus told stories. But the story of the, 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 the man who was robbed and on the, on the other side of the street and everybody who passed him by. And I couldn't help be convicted by that because they were going to other things. They were not going to God's purposes. They were going to their purposes. And how often do we do that? We're so involved and wrapped up in chasing after and going after the things that are on our, on our lists. And in the process of that, we may be passing by the very things that God wants us to have on our list with him, together with him. You talk to people, you ask them how they are. Oh, I'm so busy, you know. We've become so busy, we're too busy to be involved and engaged in the purposes of God with clarity and purpose and going and eyes to see and ears to hear and hands to serve those who are around us. That's how you transform things. And it all starts with something very simple. There was a church, <clears throat> the story about a church that had a gas station right close to it and um, I don't remember where this was at, but it was owned by a Muslim man. And so it was robbed, and these people heard about it in this church, and they thought, how often have we gone to that gas station and filled up our tank and slipped our card in and never gone inside, never said a word? In fact, maybe even avoided going in because we knew this person 
was a Muslim, and how often have we just bypassed that place? And right in our own neighborhood, practically right next door to our church, this man's business was robbed, and his opportunities at a better life were, were stripped from him because of this experience. So the church, they started filling up their cars at his gas station and going in and saying hello. And it got to be where there's like 200 members of this church were filling up at this man's gas station and, and blessing him. And it caused them all to think, we could do more of this as neighbors in our community. Why, why don't we think about doing more intentional, purposeful things in going to others and meeting needs in their lives? Simple question. It started with a very simple act and began to grow from there. I believe that in what I have seen here and experienced here in almost the 20 years Lynn and I have lived here in Gunnison, that almost all of these endeavors began with someone's idea, someone's thought, something that they thought that God had spoken to them about, just an idea. I see several of you in here that have been involved in some endeavors in our community that started with that thought and you chose to act on it, but you knew you couldn't do it alone. And you needed to see if others could join in on that and would resonate with them in such a way that they would partner with you and join in with you. Sometimes it's not right. The time is not right. There were things that I thought was time was right, but it wasn't right because God didn't have the additional people yet who had had that on their heart. But it's amazing what happens when you put it out there and put it into, into spoken words, all of a sudden this person or that person or this opportunity or this resource begins to make itself known and all of a sudden you know, you know what? I think God is in this. I think his Holy Spirit is speaking here for us to do something. It's so simple, so simple. Going is so simple. And yet it's very risky. And that's the part that keeps us sort of held back because it's going to cost you some time perhaps perhaps some money it's going to cost you uh, in some cases jesus said he who wants to find his life must lose it for my sake that's a level of discipleship and following that few of us have really ever really touched in our life as a disciple of christ but i encourage you in that um i i i want to encourage anyone who God has been stirring your heart about something, no matter what it is, maybe it's a spoon, to begin to take those steps to actually put into practice those things. There's, there's needs in this church. There's needs in the ministry of this church. There are things that can lead to some amazing things. Last night we had a, a video next door, a movie. It was really good. And I want to thank Chris and... And Greg, for leading us to, to be able to see this, it was called Do You Believe? And you see the tapestry, the way in which God works as people respond to needs that come across their path. So um, that's my story. And, and God is still working in our lives, still moving in our lives, in my life. Uh, it's an unusual journey. It's been probably the most difficult thing these last two years uh, of a lot of the previous ones because I haven't had specific assignments about what I was to plug into. So it's been a new journey for me. 
to try to respond and just stay open and see what God would lead us into. And it's led to some things that have been good in our lives that we've enjoyed. And um, so I'm going to pray. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for the hearts of the people who are here and the receptivity to leading of your Holy Spirit. This morning, I, I just know that by your Spirit, you have been speaking into some people's lives about doing something, going somewhere, seeing someone. Because you're relentless. It doesn't go away if it's something that's meant for us to do. And I just pray that for all those who have been listening and have been stirred by you, that there would be that point of commitment and action on their part. Not knowing what's around the corner, not knowing what it's going to cost, not knowing what's around the bend, but being willing to just step out in faith and see what you do. Thank you for loving us as we are. Thank you for taking these cracked pots and putting your life inside of us. And in spite of who we are and what we've done, where we've been, you have redeemed us, you have commissioned us, you have changed us, you have called us, and you have given us a mission with you. In Jesus' name.